Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Heal Thyself. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. Today's gonna be super dense. We have a lot of information in this knowledge bomb that's gonna be really, really relevant and also really important interventions we can make in our lives and our family's lives and our pets' lives. Now talking about pets, we have Rodney Habib as our guest today and he is basically the world's leader when it comes to talking about pet health. So if you own a pet or at all, You've got to listen to his segment. But regardless, this knowledge bomb is going to be so, so important for you and your family. And we just got to get into it. It's going to be dense with tons of information today, but it's going to be so, so, so important, so relevant. So let's jump into this knowledge bomb, all right? All right. So I was talking to my friend Adrian, right? He's from Montreal and he has a uh, a pet food a company called uh, Healthy Bud. It's a non-toxic dog food, and he's a co-founder of it. And we were actually in a long conversation yesterday in preparation for today's guest coming, uh, Rodney Habib. And as I mentioned before early, he's a leading voice in pet health. So when, once we got off the phone, I started thinking to myself, okay, what am I going to do for my segment of the show? What are we going to do for the Knowledge Bomb? And I was thinking, and I wanted to tie in that, pets, but also kids, also our own health, all under one roof. So I started thinking to myself, what's something that affects our children? What's something that affects us? What's something that affects our pets? And what are we exposed to every single day that we don't talk about enough? And that is the topic of lawn chemicals. Lawn chemicals, I wanna talk about this in depth. We, I talk so much about food, so much about water, so much of what goes in the skin, so much of what we're breathing in in our homes. And I mentioned so much about weed killers and pesticides and in the context of how it's adulterating our food supply and our water. But today, I want to give more love, more nurturing, more spotlight on lawn chemicals because it's something that's not talked about almost at all. I know you've never heard a doctor talk about lawn chemicals. I'd be shocked to hear if anyone really does. But it, it can really affect our health. And I'm going to talk about how, but there's some interesting background I want to give you. So as you may or may not know, I grew up in uh, Queens, New York, and I wasn't exposed to tons of grass. If I remember clearly, the park across the street where I spent 90% of my days, especially in the summer, was concrete, mostly concrete, almost 90% concrete, with some patches of dirt or grass around trees that were coming out of that crumb rubber. And you can imagine, when I moved to New Jersey, it was, I had a backyard full of grass, tree-lined streets. I had two parks within walking distance. I mean, it was perfect for a kid. It was sort of a culture shock and seeing, whoa, this is like where kids grow up. Um, and, and never, never did I really think about grass quality, grass chemicals. What I saw is like, wow, that neighbor has really beautiful grass. Wow, that one has really beautiful grass. And for me, it's the first time I was seeing front and backyards like this. And it was like, from a movie, because everything looked like a golf course in my neighborhood. But you know what I never thought about is when I was over at my friend's house, what the heck the gardeners were spraying with their backpacks. And I never thought about what was in the backpacks, nor did I ever think if it would be affecting my health or anyone else's health. I never questioned what was that solution that was haphazardly being sprayed all over. Even in my teens, even in young adulthood, I never thought about the grass that I was having picnics on or laying on or playing sports on. What was the quality and was it affecting my health? Now, pesticides have a very important role in agriculture and public health. Agriculturally, they protect our crops. Residentially, they eliminate rodents, insecticides, weeds, Pesticides in itself encompass a very broad category of substances, right? 
include insecticides and include herbicides and include fungicides, rodenticides, fumigants. All of these things are used to keep our crops healthy and really to keep residentially our land healthy. I didn't think still much about it throughout my life. And it wasn't until medical school when we had environmental medicine class. And I heard the statistic. And then for some reason, out of all my life, it clicked. It was like one of those aha moments. And it was around 2012. And I heard the statistic, 78 million households in the US uh, use home and garden pesticides. You know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. And you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best. And they're always at health events and people are loving them and their quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products, GHKCU, and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alitura Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trafalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that has been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has your back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. 
And back then, when I was in school, there was about 133 million homes in the US. So when you do that math, that's more than half of the homes in the United States utilizing these pesticides. And now we're closer to 75% of homes. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, environmentally, if I knew, because I knew a few classes before I heard that statistics, how pesticides affect our health. And then I start thinking about how ubiquitous they are everywhere in our homes. And it's not only our homes, it's our neighbor's homes because a lot of their pesticide application is going to blow pass into our yards. So it's really community-wide problem. So home lawns receive more pesticides per acre than agriculture on average double. And those two facts blew my head because I learned about not only the expansive use, but also I was believing that most pesticides were being used in agriculture, but the fact of the matter is, is they were being used more residentially in homes, in parks, in schools, right? So this is from the EPA. They had a report. Uh, it was basically called the Pesticide Industry Sales and Usage from 2008 to 2012, and it's the most recent one I could find. And as per the report, I'm going to read you so you have a better perspective and understanding. Between 2008 and 2012, the U.S. expenditure accounted for 16 to 18% of total world pesticide expenditures. In 2012, the U.S. expenditure accounted for 21% of the world's expenditures on herbicides, 14% of the world's expenditures on insecticides, 10% on fungicides, and 23% of fumigants. So in other words, America loves producing these chemicals. The U.S. expenditure at the user level for conventional pesticides totaled nearly 14 billion in 2012. The world's pesticide usage at the producer level totaled nearly 6 billion pounds annually from 2011, 2012. The US pesticides usage totaled over 1.1 billion annually from 2011 to 2012. And the US pesticide use accounted for approximately 23% of total pounds of pesticides applied in the world and 25% of total herbicides applied. 43% of fumigants, 12% of fungicides. You know, you gotta understand, we love using pesticides. They have a big market share on the production and the usage of pesticides. But here's why pesticides is a problem. Here's what we know. They're associated with cancer, hormone disruption, reproductive damage, neurotoxicity, kidney and liver damage, sensitization or irritation effects throughout our body, and birth defects. And you may have heard me say before, and here's why a lot of people defend pesticides because they talk about the dose making the poison. And it's not necessarily true because the dose making the poison accounts for a chemical in a vacuum. Just study that one chemical, not the entourage effect of all the chemicals, how they work together, because we do know that they exhibit something called the entourage or cocktail effect, not the bioaccumulation that happens in our body due to that, and not something called a non-monotonic dose response where we see at levels safe, deemed safe by the EPA, Lower levels than that are showing especially an endocrine or hormonal disruptive effect in our body. So Beyond Pesticides has a really nice lawn care fact sheet and they have the top 30 pesticides that are used and they have the health effects with X's on each pesticide showing basically which ones in studies exemplify these effects. So it's an older uh, PDF, but majority of these chemicals are still used. So I'm, I'm gonna read you basically what this PDF says so we have an understanding. Of the top 30 pesticides that are used, 13 are probable carcinogens causing cancer. 13 are linked to birth defects. 21 are linked to reproductive effects. 
15 with neurotoxicity, 26 with liver or kidney damage, 27 are sensitizers and or irritants, and 11 have the potential to disrupt our endocrine or our hormonal system. And it's real. And I think about when I was in practice, I had this patient, she was a 30 year old female, and she came to me with uh, lymphoma. And I was talking about her life, her diet, her, her whole medical history. And when I got to the questioning about environmental medicine, environmental toxins, she had explained to me the summer before she was up in Oregon and she was spraying glyphosate, this weed killer, to protect this very particular plant on this land. So she was spraying this known toxic chemical, actually the number one used pesticide now that we're using in most of our homes, she was spraying it and it only took one year, one year, which is an aberration in itself, but took one year for her to develop lymphoma. And I asked if she wore any protective clothing. They said, no, they, they just gave her the backpacks and, and the spray. And I thought to myself, that's incredible because just the other day I was riding up out of Topanga, the mountain over here, and I saw one of the landscapers he had no protective equipment, and on the back, his backpack, it said Roundup in big letters, and he was spraying it. And it was, it was just, it, in many ways, it, it was intriguing to me because I was like, this is supposed to be very purified land, but it is what it is. It's everywhere. And this is the point I'm trying to make is that we have to pay close attention to how we protect. So I have a theory that my pet, my, my dog, died because of these pesticides in the lawn of the community that I lived in because he would show symptoms of irritation of the skin and paws in the mouth almost on every single walk. And it, it just so happens that he died of a cancer that is associated with these chemicals. So I want you to take a moment to think. If any of these aforementioned diseases that I mentioned on that, out of the 30 on that list uh, from the pesticide group, the PDF, are if there's any of these diseases that manifested in you, your children, or your pet's life, then it's really interesting and, and important for you to start thinking. Did a doctor ever inquire about toxic exposure? Did they ever talk about your land? Because I can't say it's the exclusive cause of the disease, but I can guarantee it's a major, major, major driver of a disease. So you may say, hey, look, Dr. G, I grew up in, I grew up in this, this, this golf course and I'm fine and my mom's fine and my dad's fine, or I grew up on a school that sprayed pesticides or I played sports all my life. Okay, that doesn't mean that just because you were exposed to it, you're gonna get it the next day. Remember the, the concept of bioaccumulation over time. It's the rain barrel effect. Things build up, build up, build up, build up, and then they overflow. That buildup is based on many things, how big that cup is, how big your resiliency is one of them being stress, one of them being genetic. So think to yourself, just because there's not a cause and effect, uh, an acute cause and effect, or you can put it on paper right then and there, you're, you can absolutely be affected by uh, these chemicals. And the most vulnerable people are children, pregnant women, and pets. So for children, we have to think about the way they interact with the environment, right? They're, they're on the floor, they're rolling around, they're crawling, they're putting everything in their mouth and they have organs that are still developing and are particularly vulnerable. Pound for pound, children consume more food and drink than adults. That means their elevated exposure of pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, all of that stuff, and then also their detox organs are still developing. So they're not effectively removing those metabolites from these toxins. So speaking about children, 2003 study in the Journal of Environmental Science Technology called phthalates, alkaphenols, pesticides, polybrominated diphenyl ethers, and other endocrine disrupting compounds in indoor air dust. They sampled indoor air dust in 120 homes, and they analyzed it for 89 organic chemicals that are identified known endocrine disruptors, hormone disruptors, and pesticide and insect residues were detected inside the home. 
Why? Because it was due to the drift and track in where they contaminate the air, the dust, the surface, the carpets, and expose children at levels 10 times higher than the pre-application level of these chemicals outdoors. So when we speak about pesticide exposure and how it affects the development and the brain of our children, we see in a 2012 study by Jiang Lu, recent research suggests that even low levels of pesticide exposure can affect young children's neurological and behavioral development. And evidence shows that a link between pesticides and neonatal reflexes, psychomotor and mental development, and attention, attention to deficit hyperactivity disorder. So we know these pesticides even their mechanism of action on the way they work have an affinity for the neurological system. So it stands to believe that in humans and what we see now, particularly in children, is that the most vulnerable system in the body is a neurological system. And that's why we're seeing things like psychomotor and mental developmental issues, ADHD, right? Cognitive issues, behavioral development issues. Not only that, but we're also seeing an elevated risk of childhood leukemia with chronic exposure to pesticides. So we have to think about what is the state of our lawn and are we spaying pesticides over and over chronically so they are exposed to this over and over. A meta-analysis in the journal Pediatrics shows just this. What did the study find? Children who were exposed to insecticides indoors were 47% more likely to have leukemia and 43% more likely to have lymphoma. Now, these are rare cancers, but leukemia affects about five in 100,000 children in the U.S. They're the, one of the most common types of childhood cancers. And we know that children ages 6 to 11 are going to have the highest level of pesticides in their blood than all other age categories. And this is based on research from the CDC. And one of the major exposures, aside from food and water, is going to be lawn, lawn chemicals. It's going to be what is the child exposed to when he or she is rolling around in the grass, crawling and bringing it and tracking it into the home, into the carpet, into the couches, into the bed. It's, it's something that we never speak about, but it's something that needs to be talked about over and over at the highest level because it's these chemicals that are having a cumulative effect, not only in the development of your children, but also long-term health as it's connected to cancers. And the same goes for animals. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that on the guest segment, but we do see an increased risk of lymphoma, increased risk of bladder cancer, and like children, they're bringing it home. All right, so amongst all of this, what are some solutions? So uh, the Community Action Network has a nice PDF out there, but I'm gonna to talk to you about a little bit of personal lawn care solutions that are most more non-toxic, right? So arm yourself, this is based on their category. This is based on their top 10. Arm yourself with knowledge, link in with local nurseries, nature centers, university extension offices, and see what plants grow best in your area and how to provide natural pest protection. You can join local gardening groups, uh, target specific pests and deal with each population individually. You can hand pull the weeds out when the ground is moist. Um, build up the healthy soil. Always be testing the pH, acidity, alkalinity of your ground. You can mulch with coffee grounds um, and, or utilize healthy organic compost. Understand that pests will avoid certain plants, so you can use that to your advantage. A version of strong smelling plants like basil and oregano around tomato plants is a good strategic strategy for planting. Um, insects don't like garlic, onions, chives, chrysanthemums. Increased biodiversity, of course. You can utilize fence around your garden to protect as much as you can. You can try boiling water, vinegar, soap, and salt. All are effective organic weed killers. Uh, you can introduce biological predators of common pests, such as like ladybugs, ground beetles, and praying mantises. 
and you can plant to attract beneficials like bees and butterflies. There's also, I know personally, citrus-based organic pesticides that are out there that are more gentle and much, much less toxic. And here's an upside, some good news. About 12 million households use all natural or organic methods on their lawn and gardens as per the 2008 National Gardening Association survey. And that's more than doubled over the four years before. And I suppose, this is 2008 research, I suppose at this point, there's even more. So it looks like the consciousness is moving towards more non-toxic uh, substitutes because, I mean, if you, it doesn't take much to look at that and go, if, if the person applying it hopefully is wearing protective gear, why, is my children, why are my children rolling around in it? Why is my pet rolling around in it? Um, and think about this, community areas that are doused in toxic chemicals, how can we make a difference? You can call up your town clerk, pass a local ordinance or resolution to prohibit dangerous pesticide use in home or gardens, talk to your neighbors, community is always important, toxic action networks are so important, campaigns. This is where you get involved, right? To protect yourself, protect your kids, protect uh, your animals. Get connected to localities that have joined and have passed these type of uh, these type of resolutions in their in their town. Meet with decision makers, city councils, board, health officials. These are all important things we can do. Here's some really good um, resources that were given to me by James Marin, and he was on the show about one or two weeks ago, and he spoke about how he made a change in his community, and they banned it actually in their housing unit. Uh, it's called nontoxicneighborhoods.org or Beyond Pesticides, two really important resources where you can start building that coalition to make a change. All right, I know that was dense, but it was really important information for you to know because so many of us have backyards, so many of us have front yards, so many of us have uh, children going to a school with lush greenery, so many of us love playing golf, sports, and it's at the discretion of us because as you understand, there's no one really taking care of us. And it's because we're living in the stone ages when it comes to pesticides. And this is the information I'm trying to bring to you all. So empower yourself. And if you are utilizing or you have used utilized toxic pesticides in your home, that's okay. Just make the switch now. Now you're armed with information and you can help make a massive difference in your health, your family's health, and your community's health. All right, let's get Rodney Habib over here. He is a wealth of knowledge, such a powerful voice in protecting our favorite loved ones, pets. And when we learn about what he's gonna tell us, it's really gonna empower us to make changes so we increase the longevity of our best friends. All right, everyone, today's special guest is all the way out of Canada. We have him on call right now. Rodney Habib is one of the most, and I just was newly introduced to him, but one of the most passionate minds when it comes to pet health. And what I've learned in the past 48 hours to a week from this guy has been incredible. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? An experience to prove that it's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in that process is rooted in health focused principles backed by solid, scientific, research based, rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee 
apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication is my favorite it's their dedication to purity and safety their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides toxins and harmful mycotoxins those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health causing issues like liver and kidney damage digestive problems brain fog and fatigue purity coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity and this is important because we have to understand coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee and the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip. Purity coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. You know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been open and I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights. And these are staples. And, I, and not just me, I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. So uh, he's a citizen scientist. He talks with the highest level scientists putting out the best research for pets and now disseminates it to all of you. So Rodney, man, what an honor to have you here. Dr. Christian, the honor is all mine, my friend. I am so pumped. I'm so stoked to talk about health, man. Any opportunity I get, especially with an expert like yourself, I'm ready to go. For sure. Listen, I never write notes on a paper for an interview. But I did it for this because I have so many pers like personal questions that I want to ask and I don't want to miss them. So I'm ready to dive in. But like, how, how long ago was it that you realized I have such a passion for giving this information to people about pet health? Because I find no one is really talking about it the way you, are, you do. 
Man, I, I have like such a fascination, even like as a young kid, I have such a fascination with longevity. I can't even tell you. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a Mediterranean home, of course, so we weren't allowed having pets. So I, I was like, imagine that 30 year old guy with his first dog, that term hedonic adaptation, like that never hit me in my 30s. Got my first dog and Dr. Christian, I made a whole bunch of mistakes. Um, as a lot of pet parents out there will realize, right? I am almost like every other 2.0 pet parent that's out there. Sadly, you have to go through a series of mistakes till you realize, oh my gosh, I had no idea, right? So I took to social media like a lot of other other pet parents did, and it's been it's been quite a journey. Um, you know, relaying information back and forth, getting cutting edge science, giving it back mm -hmm. to pet parents. The problem with the pet world, unlike the human medical field, is the veterinary field is 20 years behind the human field. So it takes forever for that data to make its way all the way down to us, sort of like the pet parents down here on the bottom end of the pole. Although all the research is done on, they're all animal studies. So they're so easy to translate. You can just take it right from the top. But it takes forever for us to get that information and make change because uh, so you're telling me right now the conventional veterinary doctor is working 20 years behind? I, it's, it's, so, you know, it, it's the schooling, right? So it's, it's that data, how it's going to make its way to the schools, right? So what's really cool right. about today's new generation veterinarian, right? Today's new generation doctor is social media. It's never been easier to connect to the information. Mind you, there's a ton of information out there today and you never know if you're going left or if you're going right. But it's what right. makes it's what makes these veterinarians, I think, so powerful today is the, the ability to learn, unlearn, and then relearn, right? That is a mm -hmm. very powerful tool to hold. So yes, I, I will tell you that those textbooks uh, from my veterinary colleagues who talk to me, yeah, they are 20 years behind. So you'll see a lot of these vet students today in the journals, just reading new publications and new work just to try to get updated. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it makes sense. And I love that because it, it, that translates to like just human medicine, what we're doing here, functional naturopathic medicine, now the access to social media, if there's a boom, like there's people following because they want, they know that there's another way, healthier way, root cause way that we can do things for longevity and just living a quality life too. Uh, super important. So, so Rodney, we, we, we're speaking a little bit and, and a lot of people don't make this connection. Animals, particularly dogs, their, their DNA is very close to ours. And meaning that the way we treat ourselves essentially parallels with the way we treat our dogs when it comes to health, environmental toxin exposure, longevity, life, lifespan, health span. Can you talk a little bit more about how that looks as far as how our lifestyles are now affecting animal lifestyle. Yeah, you know, you're 100% spot on when you when you touch on genetics, you know, according to researchers, there's almost a 90% similarity genetics between us and our dogs, right? Take take apart 30 years of evolution with the dog living beside the man right beside them. In fact, if you really want to go back, go back 8000 BC, the first reference of like dog where Odysseus and his dog Argos uh, spent a lifetime together. I mean, that human-animal bond is so strong, but also so is the environment that dogs share. You know, man controls the environment that their dog is in. There was a study that came out that was talking about, you know, if you as a human have a toxic environment, let's just say in your home as an example, well, you're in and out of your house so many times a day, but your dog, your cat, your pet, whatever it is that you have in your home, they're in your home more than you are. So that environment mm -hmm. that we encase around those animals have, has never been more important today than ever. And sadly, according to research, if you were to analyze like a dog's blood, they carry 
sometimes, on average, four times to 10 times more of those home toxins and pesticides than humans do. Yeah, I was just looking at that in, in the context of glyphosate, the, law, the lawn toxin <laughs> and the one in food yeah. that they're being exposed to over and over. It was, it was humans and they, I think they had horses, cats and dogs were through the roof. It was almost double of what we saw in the blood of, uh, in the urine of humans and other animals. Um, and, and, and it makes sense because we don't think about how, and, I, and that's my expertise, environmental science. That's all I talk about all the time. So it makes sense that, wow, we actually get out of the environment. We, you know, we go for a hike, we go out to lunch with our friends and then we yeah. come back home. But the dog is there the whole time. Your pet is there the whole time. And we were talking a little bit about how over time that can affect us. Um, can you tell us a, a little bit about, because I know that environmental toxins are connected to lots of chronic diseases, including cancer. What about tumors? We were talking a little bit off air about tumors of human and, and dogs and, and cats. Uh, yeah. Very similar? Yeah, extremely similar. You know, we, you know, if they, you could talk to probably the world's top oncologist. If you were to cut a tumor out of a dog and you were to cut a tumor out of a human and line them up side by side, they couldn't tell the difference, right? Sadly, I, I mean, it's terrible. When you think about animal testing, it's terrible, right? And it's a way to advance science. So dogs are tested on a lot for a lot of things, and especially cancer research, right? So those those parallels are so very equal. And you know, when you go back to environment and home environment like you're able to go out for walks you're able to go out for hikes and so on and so forth a lot of these animals today i think the perception for a pet parent is you know what what does a hike look like what does exercise look like between a human and a and a and a pet you'd be you'd be shocked how many people actually will go out for personal hikes and those pets get to stay home and a lot of people are like well you know i got a fence in the backyard my dog can go outside he's out there all day right he's he's engulfed in this sm small area He's not moving around a lot. His blood sugars are usually escalated very high throughout the day. So there's no drop in blood sugars. His insulin levels are pretty high throughout the day, right? So he's, those dogs don't get that movement. But what's worse than all of that would be the lawn that they're actually on. You know, there's this well, the one big thing that I noted that a lot of pet parents don't get. And this one, this one really, really, really gets to me is how much people love green lawns. I mean, I know in America... They spend billions of dollars and they use billions of pounds of like weed killer, fertilizer, pesticides. These things go on so many people's lawns around the world, but people don't actually think about the ramification of those things. And I don't know if you know this, but did you know that when you treat your lawn, you increase the risk of developing lymphoma, cancer? in your dog by 70% according to the latest data that came out. There's a 70% spike. And even if you're trying to protect your lawn and you already knew this, have fun with your neighbors because you've got at least anywhere between 50 to 100 feet drag of that lawn fertilizer transferring over through the wind. So if you're not spraying and your neighbor is, it can wreak havoc on your dog or your cat's immune system. Unbelievable because I, and I was talking about how I theorized my, my dog, you know, we had a bulldog, an old English bulldog, and we lived in a gated community. And man, this grass was like a golf course. It was I, was, I was still looking for any deviations of anything on the grass. It was just like out of a picture. But every time he came back from the walks, his face would be red, his paws would be red, and his eyes would be always be red. And he was like a really like light, light albino uh, bulldog. And he, he died, he died of cancer. Um, and, and we look at it in humans. When it comes to humans, the connection between lymphoma and leukemia is there when it comes to environmental toxins. 
And I, I purposefully put together a show talking about lawn and what we spray on them as part of this show because I wanted it to really integrate so we can understand. There is, it is a major thing that for me, no one talks about, no one. Why aren't we talking about it? Why aren't we talking about that? Wow, if you take your dog for a walk, that can be a problem. Or your neighbor spraying that beautiful grass and then it comes dry. What, why is it in the, in the consciousness right now? It's, you know, it's a lot of it's perception, right? You don't, I find that every pet parent has that like, holy shit moment, right? Like, it's like, I think it's not that people are deceivious in any way. It's just that they don't realize it, right? So when you see a beautiful lawn, a beautiful lawn to a lot of people is like stature, right? Like, you know, I take pride in my home. I take pride in being clean and so on and so forth. But it's those those agents that you use to clean outdoors and indoors that a lot of people don't realize the havoc that's actually created, you know, to go back to 2,4-D, if you want to talk about glyphosate, I mean, the havoc that's wreaked on a dog's immune system. There was a study that was published in 2004, and it was a really scary study that showed that your dog could actually increase your risk of cancer. Now, when those headlines came out, let me tell you, you want to see like every dog mom in the world come out with her like her knife and want to kill the scientists that actually published that terrible headline. But what the meaning behind that headline was that these animals, dogs and cats, were going inside and laying in the lawn. So they were, they were engulfed in glyphosate, right? If you were spraying your lawn with Roundup, your animal was engulfed in it. Then your animal came into the house. They laid on the couch guess what ended up on the couch? They laid on the bed. Guess what ended up on the bed? And then the children who were petting those animals, what were they absorbing through their hands? All of that glyphosate on the lawn. And so they were finding that some of these homes that had these animals, they, there was an increase in, the, in glyphosate in children that were exposed because of their animals. I mean, it's, it, it's really um, scary. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, man. unbelievable. I was ju just yesterday I was reading a study that says just overall pesticide exposure on the outside of the lawn especially for children, increases by three or four times indoors. Because again, children rolling around, just like the pets rolling right. around, you know, right. like like touching everything, putting their, put on their face and then they come inside and all over the rugs. And it's such an interesting thing that we don't, and this is the, what fascinates me about environmental medicine. Let me say this, let me say, you, come see my lawn. Come see my lawn because if like, I, I always flash pictures of it and people always go crazy. Like it's a dandelion field, right? Like my neighbors in the beginning would attack me. But literally, if you sit down and you educate your neighbor, because your neighbor's like, dude, are you going to do something about those weeds on your lawn? Like you're, you're killing me. Like I'm out here picking mm. out all these lawns one by one. And I'm like, my friend, you start spitting out the data about how you can toxify those dogs, how you can shorten the dog's lifespan, how you can increase the rate of cancer, according to studies by 70% by spraying your lawn. It changes the conversation. But here's what's really cool. Those dandelions in your yard, if those are clean, if those are pesticide free, if your lawn was laid and you didn't have pre-treated sod, dandelions... And the leaf of dandelions, and I'm sure you're very well aware of this, and the root of dandelions, dandelions are superfoods. You compare a dandelion to like broccoli or to spinach, pound for pound per vitamins, put sulfurophan to the side for a second, mm -hmm. pound for pound mm -hmm. per vitamins. Dandelion will obliterate any vegetable that you want to put it up against. A lot of herbalists will consider it a top 10 herbal food. So guess what I'm doing? I'm going outside, I'm harvesting the leaves, I'm chopping up the dandelions, and I'm putting them in my dog's food, man, and in my cat's food. And I mean, it doesn't get any healthier than something like that. Wow. I know. I, I, I love that. I love how simple it is, like nature giving us something, <laughs> but we just pick it and we spray yes. it and we douse it. We go, get out of here. Yes. Uh, but yeah, dandelion, so important. I mean, e even the tea for us is so important for our liver. It's, um, 
It's amazing stuff. Um, I guess I want to talk a little bit about, we talked about the environmental part, yeah. what's really shortening our dog's lifespan, our cat's lifespan, even us as human beings. What about the food? I mean, I, I grew up with dogs. I remember going to like the local, local supermarket when we were kids and just like opening can and just putting that meat in there. And then the dry food or mixing them up both together because that's what the vet said. W what's the problem with dog food right now conventionally? Man, that's a, gosh, that's a, that's such a, that's such a polarizing topic. I did, I've been blessed and invited to do like uh, a couple of TED talks. And so the first one that I did was mm -hmm. pertaining to lifespan and correlating it around health. One of the things that's very shocking, uh, Dr. Christian, is when you look, when, you know, when you, what that statement that, um, because I get it. It's a glorified statement. Sometimes you'll see a lot of marketing companies jump over it. Like we're living, you know, we're not living as long and we're not healthy. And although it's true, right? Unfortunately, a lot of these marketing companies are sort of diving into it and using it to advertise. But if you were just to kind of separate yourself from the marketing, you were actually to look at research. When, when I was gathering notes for my first TED Talk and one of the largest projects called the Morris Foundation Project, it's a $25 million project to look at, they were looking at the golden retriever. Golden Retriever is a great example if you want to look at how long pets have been living. And I'm going to pull this back to nutrition for a second. But if you were to go back to the 70s and you were to talk to veterinarians of the 70s, ask them what the average lifespan of a Golden Retriever was. They will tell you it was around 17 to 18 years old back in the 70s. Today, with the data that we have, the average Golden Retriever is living to be around 9 or 10. I mean, you're talking, that's almost a 50% drop in longevity. Now, Wow. We know that genetics is an issue, of course. We know that environment's an issue, but we also know nutrition is a huge issue, right? One of the challenges, as you were pertaining to when it comes to dog food, the biggest challenge for a lot of people is the perception of health, right? Whenever you look at the bag and you, you, know, you see it sitting there on the shelf and all of these wonderful label claims and you see all of these like wonderful vegetables and, you know, and all of these great stories, like this was picked up in the Himalayan, we, we, we picked this fruit from the Himalayan mountains way up above and we put it in this bag, right? Some of the questions that people don't ask is how on earth if that bag is a package of meat, and some of these companies claim to be around 80% meat, my grandmother will tell you this very simply. How can these packaged foods that have all of these wonderful vegetables and all of this wonderful meat, how is it possible to sit on the shelf for two plus years? How mm -hmm. is it possible? I'll tell you, those bags can last 10 years if you don't open them. And they will look exactly Damn. the same, right? These are questions that people don't have. What is sort of like that perception of food? If I was to go back and talk to your parents and their parents, how were people feeding dogs back then? Well, there wasn't, first of all, there wasn't these ultra, we call it ultra processed food in that world when you're trying to define food, small round pellets, devoid of nutrition, added with synthetics, mm -hmm. right? You're, so your nutrition now is coming from synthetics. If you were to go back generations and ask our parents how they were feeding our pets, they tell you very quite easily, well, we would eat all this glorious food from the table. When we were done eating, we would take it outside and we would throw it outside and the dogs and cats would feast on that. And that's how we fed dogs, right? Now, mind you, today it's a little bit different. Our food products don't look like the same as they did 50 years ago. So our, our parents aren't eating the same that way. And yes, you will run into issues when it comes to balancing. But I think the easiest way to answer your, it's, I, I wish there was a one word answer for when it comes to nutrition. One of the most visceral topics in the world is, one of the things that today that we, we spend a lot of time trying to educate pet parents on is the processing techniques of food. You know, how much heat is going on into that bag? 
to make it shelf stable? And how much nutrition is actually left in that bag? Are you getting your nutrition from whole foods or are you getting your nutrition from synthetics? And this is kind of the ultimate question because when you're getting your food from synthetics, your nutrition from synthetics, now you're at the, now you're at the mercy of the pet food manufacturer. If you were around in 2007, accidentally there was melamine inserted into those synthetic packs that had to go into a hundred different types of brands around the world. It was responsible for at least tens of thousands of pets that died all over North America in Canada and the United States because of those wow. synthetic packs. And Dr. Christian, if you look every single year at those synthetic vitamin mixes, there's always a slip up. Science Diet, one of the biggest companies in the world in the United States, accidentally two years ago, 2019, their machine went off kilter and started spraying excess levels of vitamin D into that food. It, wow. According to reports, online, CBS, it's killed hundreds, if not thousands of pets because you're now you're dealing with synthetics as a source of nutrition for pets. And you're at the mercy of it. You're at and the, you're mercy, at the of mercy of the it. machinery. You're at the mercy of any human error rather than nature giving you the whole food packaged as it was intended to be eaten. Um, so so are, are, are you, I know that there's like a spectrum because there's like the Purina I remember and the kibbles and it, are there dry these are dried foods right would you are the are the healthier ones that are that you see like organic or like wild salmon are they also ultra processed too so so this is this, this is such a wonderful question right so one of the first things that you can do as as a pet parent when you're trying to look for nutrition right let's just take vitamin c for instance right if i was to buy you a crate of oranges and i was to tell you hey listen i want you to eat this entire crate of oranges you're eating whole foods, you'd eat it, you'd feel terrible, maybe diarrhea, maybe stomach upset. Right. You're not gonna feel awesome when you ate the whole crate. But the odds of you dying are very, very slim. Now, if I was to turn around, Dr. Christensen, I'd say, here's a crate load of vitamin C pills. Eat them all. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not the best Some, idea. I wouldn't feel good, yeah. Not, not the best idea. In fact, you could get to toxic levels where it could create chaos on your body. It, and I, you could take any vitamin, for instance, and use that as an example. To go, if you were to look at all of the major recalls across pet food, so Purina, for instance, a lot of people, for, for, if you're not driven by who makes your food, so nine times out of 10, it's a chocolate bar manufacturer that's making your food, right? Because Purina is owned by Nestle. Nestle, of course, makes Smarties and all those, you know, wonderful confectionaries, right? They have other things in their category, but those are the people that make the majority, Nestle makes the majority of those foods. Purina being one of them. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Mars, right? Now, Mars is, also makes Mars and Snickers and all those delicious chocolate mm -hmm. bars, but they own the other spectrum like Royal Canin or if you were to go in the supermarket like Pedigree, you know, th these mm -hmm. big brands. They own the vet lines of foods and they also own the grocery line of foods, right? So they, have, they own all the divisions. In fact, it's gotten to the point now that the chocolate bar manufacturers are buying the clinics. So if you look at all the vet clinics, they're also owned by those chocolate bar manufacturers. Wow. If you look at the labs... They're also owned by the lecture where they're doing all of the testings. So those students, it, it's kind of tough when you're, you know, you're, you're coming up through the stream as a student because maybe the school that you own has been funded by a chocolate bar manufacturer. And then the clinic that you, you go into could be owned by a chocolate bar manufacturer. And the information that you got as a student in your books came from a chocolate bar manufacturer. So first of all, wow. if, if that doesn't deter you from nutrition, fine then look at the other the spectrum to when you just asked me the question about ultra-processed food. We know today, and I know you are very keen on the microbiome. 
and I've mm -hmm. listened to your podcast and I've heard you talk several times about the gut biome, how important diversity is for the gut biome. You could talk to any longevity expert and they'll tell you the more diverse your gut biome is, the better. The challenge when you are making foods for pets, in, in any world, you talk to any microbiologist, talk to any micro, animal microbiologist, they'll tell you the more diversity that you have in your dog's stomach, the more diversity you have in your cat's stomach, the better. Same thing with humans. Your problem is, is the food products that you are buying on the shelf, those dry pieces of kibble, all food has a microbiome. You eat a carrot, you just put the microbiome of the carrot in you. You eat an apple, you just put the microbiome of the apple in you. The problem is, as you know, is that microbiome, if you don't eat that apple or that carrot in a short period of time, that microbiome activates itself to degrade, right? It's got to decompose. It's got to go back yeah. into the soil, right? Pet food manufacturer knows that. So how on earth can they put that apple and that carrot in the bag, have that microbiome activate itself and then decompose? They can't. So they have to go in and they have to destroy the microbiome of all those products because they mm. can't have them decomposing in the bag. And then right. they start adding additives on top of that, right? So those foods don't spoil and they don't mold on top of it. All right, now you got a bag of products that's devoid of microbiome. So heat has to be applied to it so it doesn't mold. You got to take the moisture out. So all of those dry foods are down to 10% moisture. Because you've applied so much heat, you've destroyed all of those micronutrients that are essential. So now you're forced to turn around, buy a synthetic bag of powder, so like a multivitamin, if you may, and put it back on top of the food to bring some sort of nutrition back to it. And then you feed it to your animal for the rest of his life. Mm, wow. I, I, you know, it's so crazy because I remember looking at what are the healthier options because I knew that I want to give pedigree years ago. Uh, but to think about, at the end of the day, even that quote-unquote healthier option was a dry food that yeah. I could have had in the garage for you know a year. And it still would have been available even though it was organic and wild and all of these buzzwords. Um, but at the end of the day, like you said, it's still the process. It's the processing, right? And, at the, and that's what we're left with. So I guess then that begs the question, how should we be feeding our animals for longevity? I mean, that's such a great question, right? I have a fascination with the oldest lived pets in the world. It's, 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 not, a, it's not a mystery to anybody. Um, you know, I've been blessed to be able to speak to some of these pet parents that have raised these old dogs and try to find a correlation with scientists, sitting down with scientists on how did these pet parents achieve the unachievable? As an example, Brian McLaren, who's in Australia with his 31-year-old Kelpie, 65-pound wow. dog from Australia. I got to wow. interview um, just, rec just recently a 22-year-old pit bull from Waco, Texas, 25-year-old dog from Hungary named Bushki. There's animals all over the world into their late 20s. In fact, I just actually, a golden retriever, the oldest golden retriever that we know of, a 20-year-old golden retriever named Augie from Texas. Wow. So there's all of these animals around the world that are living into their 20s and potentially their 30s. And if you try to look at the through line of these animals, there's a lot of things that the pet parents did. If you want to look at nutrition, all of these owners fed some sort of fresh food. Maggie, for instance, she lived on a farm. So she ate whatever came off of that farm. Very rarely was there any type of processed food in her diet. She drank raw milk 
Dr. Dr. Christian, imagine oh. raw milk. How much how much gut bacteria are you going to amplify drinking raw milk? She got to eat placenta of cows. <laughs> I don't wow. have the nutritional data on placenta, but <laughs> can you imagine the gut biome? This dog got to roll around in soil. A lot of right. the research that came out today shows that dogs, puppies that are born in a soiled soil environment, born in dirt, those dogs live longer. They have less likelihood of developing allergies. In fact, dogs, there was a study done out of Sweden that showed that if you fed the mother and the father fresh food, whole live food, foods that come from your refrigerator, balanced food, they have to be balanced. If you fed those balanced foods to those dogs, those puppies had a 50% like, uh, less likelihood of developing allergies. You've already set wow. them up, right? It goes down three generations. Same thing in the human aspect that it goes down in three generations. Study just published out of Finland, same thing. Dogs that were fed fresh food, the mother and the father, when they had puppies, the puppy has less likelihood of diseases and had a more potential of living longer. So these oldest lived animals that you see, almost all of them had some sort of fresh food in their diet. Now let's chat about something crucial, that is omega-3s. You know I'm all about keeping clean and pure when it comes to products, as well as food on my plate. But when it comes to supplements, right, we have to make sure we have the best of the best, but especially when it comes to omega-3s, and, and I really mean it. Omega-3s are some of the most adulterated supplements that exist out there, and a lot of companies aren't doing it right. We need omega-3s for our heart, for our brain, for our eye health. You might not be getting enough nutritionally. When it comes to Peori, it's a quality brand, not only just with omegas across their whole line. They're extremely transparent. Every batch undergoes rigorous testing against over 200 contaminants, and you could check the results for yourself. And that's one of my favorite things. You can scan the QR code and look at the batch that is right in front of you that is on your shelf or on your counter, and you can see the results for this quality testing. Peori's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil delivers a potent dose of EPA and DHA without any unnecessary extras. Now, Peori is offering 20% off of their O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil, the one that I take every single morning, and all their fantastic products to you, the Heal Thyself listener. That's 20% off even the already discounted subscription price. I want you to go to Peori.com. Use my promo code DRG. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash DRG to take care of your health with some of the best omegas out there by Peori. These days... These days, it seems like everyone is carrying on a beverage, whether it's soda or flavored water or kombucha or coffee or tea. But not all beverages are created equal when it comes to quality and health benefits. That is why I become obsessed with Peaks Sun Goddess Matcha. I've been using this for, it's one of the first supplements I really invested in. It's four years ago, probably. And it's not just any old matcha powder. We're talking organic ceremonial grade matcha tea that has been meticulously screened for pesticides, heavy metals, mold, and even radioactive isotopes. Peak takes no shortcuts. Their matcha is cultivated by ninth degree tea masters in Kagoshima, Japan, using century old traditions. Their plants are shaded for 35% longer than usual to maximize the production of vital compounds like L-theanine for calm, steady energy and chlorophyll for its detoxifying anti-aging properties. I start every morning with a frothy cup of sun goddess matcha, not just for energizing my body, you know, we all want to get that caffeine kick, yeah, okay, but for the amazing gut health, metabolism boosting, and antioxidant benefits. The phytonutrients nurture my digestive system, the EGCG compounds help my body burn calories efficiently, and the chlorophyll gives my skin the awesome reading. You see I'm glowing right now, right? That's because of the matcha. There's perfectly proportioned packets that are easy to mix with water whenever I need to pick me up, so easy to make a consistent self-care ritual. Peak is offering you, the Heal Thyself listener, 15% off of their sun goddess matcha 
plus a free beaker and a rechargeable frother when you go to peaklife.com slash DRG. They're so confident that you're going to love it. There's even a 30-day money-back guarantee. No code at checkout. Just go to P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E.com slash DRG. You're going to get 50% off plus all those freebies. I got to tell you this one study because this this study like blows people's minds. It's, it's one of the one of the best studies that we have out in the in the animal space. The scientists wanted to know just how impactful fresh food was. So they said to themselves, all right, let's take a bowl of dry food and let's feed it to let, let, let's split a cohort. Let's take Scottish terriers and feed them just dry food. And let's take the other cohort and let's just add green vegetables three times a week to their food. Let's just take kale, broccoli, you know, in your fridge, when you're chopping up your food, like the, the part of the leaf that you don't want to eat or the carrot tops that you don't want to eat. Mm. Let's just take that and put it in a bowl three days a week into the dog's bowl. And let's see if there's actually an effect putting fresh food into those bowls. When the study was concluded, the dogs that got the green leafy vegetables three times a week, and the study was done on bladder cancer, they had a 90% decrease in the development of bladder cancer because it's prone to those Scottish tears. That's how effective it was to put fresh whole life food into that bowl. So to answer that question, that long-winded question that you originally came back with, with mm -hmm. what would be the best way to feed food, there's so much data out there now, especially when it comes to the gut biome, that feeding your animals just as much fresh food as possible. If you've got a bowl of dry food, and I get it, cost is an issue. Uh, the latest statistics that come out in America showed that Americans were spending around $20 a month on their dog food. That's not a lot. Mm -hmm. It's not a lot because you're, if you go looking at other types of processing techniques of food, like let's say you get into air dried, dehydrated, freeze dried, frozen, your costs go up. There's no way you could afford $20 a month. That means you're going to have to go to your refrigerator and pull out things that you might not potentially be eating. But there's so much data to show that the more fresh food that you add into that bowl, the less likelihood that you have to develop any type of issues. Finland was very famous for this study. They just put 20% fresh food of whatever you want in your refrigerator that's fresh. Let me let me preface it with this. We're not talking nachos or beer or those delicious things that some people put in their refrigerator. Yeah. We're talking fresh whole live foods. So your audience that's listening, I'm sure those are the type of foods that they're feeding anyways. If you were to put 20% of something fresh into that bowl, they saw a decrease in homocysteine and methionine two markers they use for testing disease markers, they say they saw a significant drop with just 20%. Unbelievable. The, the, they can even, that they're quantifying this enough to know that, you know, three times a week, just adding some veggies that you may not be using, or like you said, you know, because I'll, I'll cut some carrots, I'll be like, oh, well, this, I'm not going to eat this part. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll cut some uh, lettuce, spinach, I'll be like, oh, no, this is like, you could just always give that to your animals too. That's it. And, and the effects, the, the effects, according to science, are like can be astronomical. They did. I got to tell you this last one, because this was a 12 week study that they did. They were just adding the scientists wanted to know, OK, if you divided two panels of dogs, you fed you fed dogs dry food, the other panel of dog fresh food whole life foods into a bowl over a 12 week period. What sort of effect could it have just on the skin biome alone? You'll you'll read testimonials from people who said, man, I started feeding some fresh whole life food balanced to my animals and just seeing the transformation in their skin and coat is unbelievable. Okay, sure. That's yeah. great. Anecdotal. But where's the science behind that? Scientists in Finland did that study. So 12 week study, fresh food, dry food. They found over 12 weeks, they could see on a genetic level that just by feeding animals fresh food, it activated the skin gene expression on animals. It activated 
the anti-inflammatory components. It activated the antioxidant release on the skin. They saw the skin heal in just 12 weeks with a shift to fresh foods. That's it. Just a shift. And it's just, it's so simple because we throw away so much crap. Like, think about it. I mean, the other day I was like, oh man, I, I, I wasn't home hardly as much as I thought. And then I'm throwing away like a head of lettuce and I'm just like, I'm not going to use it, you know, and your dog will be happy to eat it. Your cat will be, you know, happy oh, to eat it. it just, just, just the glucose drop alone, if you want to do a, if you want to do a, a study, let's say you have a, a glucometer at home and you're testing your own glucose mm-hmm. in the mornings, which, you know, you should be testing for your pets, what they're coming in at on a fasted belly if you, if you care about glucose numbers. If go and feed your dry food to your dog and at the two hour mark, when they reach the highest point with that glucose spike, test their blood sugars. The next day, if you've got that head of lettuce in your refrigerator, put a quarter cup of that head of lettuce, put four tablespoons of that lettuce in with that dry food, wait two hours later and test your dog's blood sugars. I, I did that test. My dog was 20 point. My, so my dogs are, are already fat adapted dogs. So I think they came in. So I fed them and I never feed them dry food, but as an experiment, I fed them. Mm-hmm. I fed them the dry food and they came in at around 80. 80 points on a glucometer. Wow. I put the lettuce on there the next day, same type of feeding, and I just put a quarter cup of lettuce, they came in at 60. They dropped by 20 mm. points just by putting lettuce. I was able to drop yeah. their blood sugars. Just like humans, man, just like humans. It's it's, it's so wild to hear this, because this is, again, like my first conversation talking about animals, are these are our best friends that we have in the home. So therapeutic to us too. So then, like Americans here, there's an obesity epidemic. Are we seeing, and we talked about blood sugar just now, same thing happening, I'm assuming, here for our pets, yeah? Here's, what, here's what's terrible. So you study to come out of Europe to show that, sadly, obese people, um, you, there's a higher likelihood of obese dogs. Uh, there was an article posted by the New York Times that was like, the extinction of the healthy dog is near. Dogs are following the same trends as humans because they live with us. So they eat at the same times as we do. You know, you are now seeing over 60% of dogs and cats some will argue 65 to 70% in America are overweight or obese. They even follow the same eating ritual times we do. You know, if you want to get into circadian rhythm and you want to talk about the right times that you should be eating and, and you know, or time-restricted feeding that, that should be occurring in not only your life, but your dog's life, you're seeing a huge impact now with people's bad eating habits. There's dogs are picking up on those bad eating habits. The last treat most dogs are consuming are around 10 p.m., well, I don't mm-hmm. got to tell you what that's doing to that type of melatonin release that you should be having around that hour. That's completely shut off at that point. So yes, mm-hmm. unfortunately, we are now seeing a massive incline in obesity. And it's, you know, people, a lot of people are feeding out of love. They love their pets. They want ha- them to be happy. They're feeding them. I, I, I've seen it. I've seen people like, oh no, he's hungry. I'm like, oh no, 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 he's not hungry, but we just ate, right? But is there a way to tell... Uh, on a, on a dog specifically that they are obese? Is there like, I, I read somewhere that you could just look at their ribs or is there, is there like a waist circumference type deal that we could just do visually? This is a great, this is a great question. Um, uh, a survey that would, that came out about two years ago, it said that 85% of pet owners can't tell if their pet is overweight or obese. The problem is, is that because so many people have obese dogs now, when you're trying to do the comparison model, you look at your dog compared to the other dog, well, you'll get skinny shamed right? Because people will look at you and be like, oh man, your dog is so skinny, right? Well, Mm -hmm. no, that dog will actually live longer if he's thinner, 
But the challenge is that people will sort of like fat shame each other's dogs. And as a pet parent, the last thing you want to hear somebody tell you when you're in the park is your dog is too skinny because you feel like now that your animal's malnourished. The best thing that you can do, of course, is you can go sit down with your veterinarian, ask your veterinarian because they have like a body score index over there. This is also a hard conversation for veterinarians. Those poor people, they're under a lot of stress. And one of the hard things that they want to do, that hard conversation is to sit down with their, you know, with the pet parent and be like, you know, Fluffy is looking a little too fluffy, right? Mm. Man, hell hath no fury like a scorned dog mom when you tell her her dog is looking a little chubby, right? So sometimes veterinarians won't have that awkward conversation. But, you know, if you if you're if if you have that good relationship with your vet, I, I highly recommend that you are can putting your dog onto like those body scale indexes. It's hard for people to want to restrict food. We've got one of the best longevity studies they use for humans, which was done on dogs. And Purina actually did the study. Thank you, Purina. I believe it was a 12-year study to show that they fed two panels of dogs. They separated them. This was a lifetime study. Those dogs that got 25% less food that was written on the package. So they gave one group of dogs food at libidum, like most North Americans do. They got a bowl. They pour the food in the bowl. And they're like, eat when you want to eat, Right. It's a party all day. So most dogs, most poor animals will come in. They'll snack on it maybe at this hour. They'll snack on it on this hour. Constant glucose spikes, constant insulin spikes, mTOR revving at a super high level, right? And then these animals just keep coming in, snacking, 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 snacking. There's no stop point for these animals. They took those panel of animals and then they, on the other side, they took a 25% reduction. They reduced that food by 25% compared to the other animals. Those animals on average almost live two years longer. And that's in dog years. Just wow. by reducing the food by 25%. That's, it's just because it's just we, that's what, exactly what we do. We, we pour the bowl and we go here. But just understanding that eating less, and it translates to humans. Well, I'm hearing you say this and I'm thinking about humans. And yeah. I'm thinking about humans. I'm hearing that it's just, it's literally the same thing. You know, these are our best friends and they're paralleling our, our lifestyle and our health. So, so many awesome tips that you've given us. It's like anyone listening is either going to be like eyes open or like, okay, yeah, I, I could do better and I can be better with my dog's health or my cat's health. Um, I guess the last thing I wanted to talk about, about was what I, the, what I reposted of you yesterday, something that I never thought about, flea and tick collars. And how, I mean, like, I, you know, it's interesting. When I was a kid, I always intuitively, intuitively felt that something was off with them because I, I'd pull them out and I'd smell and it'd be such a strong smell. I'm like, and I remember I, uh, my dad just goes, no, I'm not going to put that on the dog. He knew not to put that stuff on it after a while because it just dad. smelled so strong. Yeah. But one, what's the problem with them? I mean, they're so popular. They're so highly marketed. We're giving this to our dogs and our, and our cats all the time. And, and what's happening because of them? Are they affecting the health of our animals? This is a double-edged sword because it, it's the risk-reward aspect that you're looking at. First and foremost, you know, anybody that's ever had a, a family member, whether human or whether um, canine or feline, Lyme disease is absolutely terrible. To watch somebody have to go through that, it's absolutely terrible. Um, and all the other types of diseases and parasites that can come with fleas and ticks, right? I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a huge issue. So pharmaceutical companies are incredible because, of course, they make things that can keep you alive when you are in a, in a danger point, right? But nine times out of 10, when you're delving into pharmaceuticals, it's usually for a short period of time. Save my life. 
let me clean up my life after that or whatever the case may be why I had to go on something. Let's just take an NSAID, for instance, a painkiller. Mm -hmm. I know to do it for a short period of time and then whatever that was ailing me, it's done and I'm going on with my life. The thing about fleas and ticks and these insecticides and pesticides that people are not aware of is we make them lifetime for our pets. Like they literally have to wear them forever. In the olden days, when these products were developed, Dr. Christian, if you had a dog that had an infestation of fleas, if you had a cat that had an infestation of fleas or ticks, they made a product that you would apply it to kill it and it was gone. And then you prayed to God that you were not in another situation like that again. But if you did face it, you had to go back to that product. Today, these products are now daily products. They're lifetime products. They're now marketed as preventatives, meaning that insecticide should be on your pet from the day that he's born until the day that he dies. And the data that's coming out now, unlike yesterday, is scary. We are taking capsules or tablets or gel packages. We are putting these insecticides on our pets to protect them. But we want, them to, we want it to change the biochemistry of their blood. Then we want a flea or tick to crawl onto that animal. We don't want, but when that happens, they bite your animal, they drink the blood of your animal, and within two hours, they're dead. And we wanted that to be deemed safe. Well, first and foremost, if you read the side of the packages, the caution labels on there that if you or a child accidentally swallow it to call poison control immediately. If we have right. such a genetic similarity between us and pets, why is it okay to give these to pets, but it's not okay to give it to humans? Why aren't you applying an applicator on yourself and I'm applying an applicator on a child? It's not out there. Why aren't you doing it? There might Sure, there might be like raid and sprays that you can do for mosquitoes, but talking about fleas and ticks, why aren't you taking these products on a daily basis? So one would have to ask that question first. The second question that, that one has to ask himself is, okay, well, what type of studies and what type of data do we have out there? There's a ton of clinical studies when it comes to toxicity. Those are there. We right. gave it to the animal. One year later, he's still alive. He didn't die. Who's testing the gut biome? Who's testing the cognitive behavior of those animals, right? Who, who, there's a series of tests that could be done, but no, those companies that create these pesticides aren't doing it. And now we're seeing the repercussions of it. Last year, in 2019, actually, in 2018, 2019, and even last year, the FDA, three years straight, has updated their website to watch out for a lot of these products. The FDA has put out a fact sheet warning that these new products that run under the term isozazoline, these are these powerful bombs that you would give your pet if god forbid your pet had a flea infestation you would give it to them it would obliterate everything in two hours and it'd be over pet parents are giving these every single month for every single for the rest of the dog's life the rest of the cat's mm -hmm. life new data is coming out that's showing that now this is causing havoc on the neurological system of animals there was a study that was posted peer-reviewed study and i flashed it in that video that you're prefacing that's, it was a survey that was done. They surveyed 2,700 people after the FDA started getting a mountain of complaints that their dogs and cats were seizuring after using these products. Yeah. The study was done and found that 66% of people that used isozazoline products like Brevecto, like Nexgard, like Semperica, like Credelio, like Revolution experienced a reaction. 66%. That's incredible. Right? And then yesterday's data that just came out was talking about fipronil, which is one of the most, you can buy it in the hardware store to kill ants, one of the most prescribed veterinary used drugs to control flea or ticks. Not only do we have a mountain of data showing what fipronil can do to short-term memory, that can do to anxiety, that can do what could do to your GABA receptors, what it could do uh, for oxidative stress, but a new study just came out showing that these drugs now potentially are affecting the cognitive 
and emotional behavior of your pets when you're applying these pesticides to these animals. So I get it. People will be like, okay, I just heard this. Thank you so much for scaring the life of me. But what am I going to do with my pet? What's a good pesticide to put on my pet? What's a good pesticide to put on my pet? Well, that, I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking about that question. It's like, what is a good pesticide to put on your pet then? Right? It's a, yeah. a pet. First of all, it's a pesticide. So the term pesticide says caution to me from 150,000 miles away, right? How are you supposed sure. to find a great pest? Hey, I put this pesticide on my cereal every day and I feel fantastic, right? That's the challenge. Now, look, there are some situations where people who are living in like in apartment buildings who have no access to fleas and ticks, right? Most people live in apartment buildings. They're just doing it just cause because they're somebody's picking up because they want to protect the pet. Lots of people are in situations where they don't actually need these products. So right now, environmentalists are urging these people to not be delving into these products right away and to only use them on a case-by-case -case basis. They're urging veterinarians, mm -hmm. right? Because one of the problems is a new study that came out was showing that rivers and lakes now, the ecosystem is absolutely destroyed from these products. 99% of the samples from 4,000 samples were analyzed showed that these lakes sometimes had up to 38 times the level of insecticides from fipronil that was coming off of dogs and washing into water and killing the entire wow. ecosystem. This stuff is really scary, wow. man. It's really scary and it's a whole podcast in itself. It is, it is. And, and that's why I was like so in awe when you put it up because I didn't. I told you that my cousin DM'd me after I you put in your, up your story and she goes, it just hit me that my dog's been getting seizures right after these. And she didn't make the connection until that one video. And I guess you're right. It has to be a case-by-case -case basis. Do you live in the woods? Is your dog running around the woods? Is your dog running around in nature? Or are you on Park Avenue in New York? You know, it's, it's a, you have to do it case-by-case -case and think about it. But man, I, I, can, I, I, can have this, I can have another whole hour <laughs> conversation with you. But I know, I know you're a busy guy. You got things to do. I want, I want everyone to know, one, where to find you. I know you have a huge Facebook group. So what's the name of that group? So yeah, I, most people, a lot of the videos and things we do, it's called Planet Pause. It just on Facebook, you could just put Planet Pause Media, all one word. It'll take you over to the page. Lots of uh, videos, lots of works. I know I need to be working on Instagram more and I don't, but I, I do a lot of this stuff on Facebook. So you can find us over there for more videos on all of topics like this. And um, man, I just want to say thanks so much for, for having me on here and, and helping me spread the word, right? Because the dog world is the dog world and the human world is the human world. And you're so awesome that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're pulling people like us from the dog world to come out and use a, a platform like yours to, to help, you know, spread the message to more people. So thank you so much for that. Oh, hundred percent, man. These are our best friends. Like we, people love, love, love pets, our pets, such a deep connection, energetically, uh, emotionally, and it, it, they deserve a lot more of that recognition and to think that we can like, you know, combine these forces and to our audiences and teach, you know, it's so important. I see that in the back. We want to mention the Forever Dog. You got that. You got that. that your your dog is on the cover. That's the book that came out. Also, everyone could check that out. What what, what can we find in there? So so it's come. So it's I'm, I'm super excited about it. It's gonna it's gonna hit shelves. Uh, October the 12th, it was picked up in already 10 countries around the world, written in so many different awesome. languages. I, I'm we're just we're so blessed by it. But yeah, it's it's a how-to guide with all of the latest science that we have today to get your dogs to help increase your dog's health span and lifespan. So yeah, it's a it's a work and it's a work in progress, and I'm just so excited for that to come out. Man, I love it. I, I have so much respect for what you're doing, so much love and appreciation, uh, and thanks for taking the time out. I, I really appreciate this, man. Absolutely, thank you so much again, and uh, it was it was an absolute pleasure. 
Awesome interview with Rodney. I really hope that you found so much good information coming out of it, all pet owners or pet lovers out there, and also protect your family and choose better quality lawn care. Here's an opportunity. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing. If you haven't yet, please do so and support the show. It's, uh, it's, it, there's a lot of gratitude coming from me and I really appreciate that. And much love and I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.